Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 4, Episode 13, the series finale, titled The Last Stand. This is... Such a magnificent final installment of Legend of Korra. This is such a, such an incredible finale. It is so amazing and exquisite uh, and hits upon a lot of amazing character developments, a lot of amazing final pushes of narrative and just leads to... An absolutely perfect ending. Just like Avatar The Last Airbender's finale was the best it deserved, uh, The Legend of Korra's finale is equally so. It is freaking fantastic. So, the first, like, half of this is just action in the mech. What the last episode, what the penultimate episode teased. Uh, so we'll go through that. Uh, so everyone splits up. Lin and Suyin go to dismantle the cannon. Uh, Mako and Bo Lin go to disable the spirit vine core. And Korra goes to take on Kuvira. Uh, so we get Lin and Suyin taking on that cannon. Uh, Lin is fighting this one guard in her infinite badassery. Uh, Suyin just completely destroys, uh, the loading mechanism for this cannon. And it just... I I love this imagery of all of the spirit stuff, all the spirit energy, pod deals falling through this shaft. And then, like, almost in a Return of the Jedi-esque way, what comes back up through said shaft is just this massive burst of spirit energy. It's, it's really awesome. It's really amazing to see that. Uh, And then Lin comes back up and uh, both Beifong sisters together just rip apart all of this. Like just dismantle every little mechanism, every little piece. Of this weapon. And I love Kuvira's reaction to this. Where she's just like. Damn it. It's useless. And so. Rather than deal with this useless weapon. Kuvira just. Rips off the arm. Of the mech that contains the cannon. And just flings it across the city. My god. (laughs) Like she's just 
fed up with this thing, tears off the mech's arm, and throws it into the spirit wilds. That is the most Kuvira reaction ever. Uh, meanwhile, Makobo Lin, they're at the core of the mech at this big, staticky chunk of spirit vines. And they're trying to set it down. Uh, Mako and Bolin each take on like an engineer. And they're in this fight, which is exquisitely crafted. Then Mako and Bolin try to pull some levers. That doesn't work. And the Bolin makes the... It says the thing offhanded, like, All I know about spirit lines is if you uh, mess around with them too much, they explode. And then Mako's like, okay. Uh, I'll stay behind. I will charge up these vines with lightning. And I'll blow them up. So Mako. Big, tough, police detective Mako. Is making the sacrifice play. Is staying behind. To destroy this core. To destroy this giant mech. And I love this little goodbye that Mako and Bolin have. Where Bolin's like, hey, you don't have to prove how awesome you are. I'm, I know you're awesome. <laughs> and Mako's like, hey, shut up. I need to do this. And then they do the whole, like, I love you, brother thing. And then Bolin takes these engineers and walks away. Mako has this awesome display of... Lightning, power, redirecting all this electricity into the vines. And they're just sort of like overloading and overloading and overloading to the point where it's just like, it's just this massive purple light show. Uh, Mako almost gets out, but then is knocked out by this spirit energy. Bolin then comes back just before this explosion takes Mako and leaves just before this big explosion. By the way, the explosion that occurs as a result of this, holy crap. <laughs> My god, that mech is the definition of wrecked as a result of what Mako does in this. Uh, but we'll get back to that later. Uh, as they're doing that, Korra fights her way up to Kuvira. And she's in, like, the head of this mech. And Korra and Kuvira have this final showdown. And it is amazing. This showdown between Korra and Kuvira. This big mech fight between Korra and Kuvira. Like, it's electrifying. It's amazing. Like, they deal with this confined space in such a magnificent way. They deal with this confined space in the center of this... In the center of this mechanical monstrosity in an amazing way. And I just love this whole fight. I especially love this one shot where Korra and Kuvira are... Jumping at each other. They're lunging at each other. Korra shoots some air. Kuvira shoots a piece of metal. 
and there's like this slow motion shot where they're both realizing they're about to get wrecked, where they're both realizing they're about to uh, get <laughs> get massively effed up by the other one. But they're just committed. <laughs> they're committed to their various blasts at one another. And then it goes out of slow motion. They both go flying in opposite directions. And you just see, like, little puffs of dust, smoke, or whatever. You just see these little air puffs <laughs> on either side of this mech head. It's so awesome. It's freaking fantastic. But honestly, none of that is the best part of the episode. Uh, the best part of this episode, the best part of this final confrontation comes after the mech has exploded. After that big spirit vine energy just gets released and the mech's just toppled onto the ground. And Korra brings out Kuvira. Kuvira starts to come to. And Korra's like, hey, this is over. Kuvira, your, your mech is dead. It's gone. You need to call off your army and end this madness. And then Kuvira, in a very Kuvira response, is like, No! Screw you! I'm not giving up! And then she just runs. And we get this big chase between Korra and Kuvira that leads into the Spirit Wilds and leads directly towards this weapon that Kuvira ripped off the mech and just threw into said wilds. She, by chance, just happens to find it, points it directly at Korra, and is just like, now it's over. And unleashes this massive amount of spirit energy. And this moment is so fantastic. This moment is absolutely incredible. So she fires this spirit weapon. And this pulse of spirit energy comes out. But just as it's supposed to end, there's almost like this feedback loop on the spirit vines. To a certain extent. Like the spirit vines sort of react to this spirit weapon being fired. And it just creates this constant stream of spirit energy that keeps going and going and going and going and going and going and going. And the weapon just starts moving like crazy. Starts firing off in random direction. Korra's like, hey, shut it down. And Kuvira can't do it. Like, this weapon has gone out of control. Like, this moment that we've been talking about the entire season where Kuvira, like, is definitely gonna regret using spirit energy that has come like we've constantly been hinting at like yeah this spirit energy is bad the spirit energy is way too unstable it's way too dangerous uh you are going to regret using it now it has come now that moment has arrived and uh kuvira just sort of falls off the weapon uh cora defends her because she's about to get wrecked by this spirit energy. Korra goes into the Avatar state, deflects said spirit energy. Like, it's moving all around her, and she creates this, like, massive, massive pulse, almost feeling like a nuclear bomb. Like, this really does feel like an atom bomb. 
uh, what Korra and the spirit weapon cause together. And you get this, like, awesome, this really breathtaking moment of just this dome of spirit energy going outwards and outwards and outwards and outwards and outwards, covering this insane segment of the city. Uh, You see Tenzin and his family duck into an alley. You see Asami duck into an alley. Like, people dodging this massive pulse. And then it collapses in on itself. And what is created at the center of what was the Spirit Wilds? What is created by a combination of Spirit Wilds plus Spirit Vine Weapon plus Korra's Avatar State? A new spirit portal. And it is an amazing moment. It is an absolutely phenomenal moment when you see this spirit energy dome collapse in on itself and this new portal rise up into the heavens. It is phenomenal. It is this amazing cinematic moment. So now a new spirit portal has been created. Uh, Everyone's looking for Korra and Kuvira. No one can find them. And as people are looking, we cut into Korra and Kuvira into the spirit world. And this is an amazing scene with Korra and Kuvira into the spirit world. And I especially love how it starts off. It starts off with Korra in that, like, beginnings-esque, almost spirit world, but not quite spirit world state. Uh, Remember at the beginning of Beginnings... When Korra was sort of, like, in this, like, little spirit pool. And she was kind of, like, looking at a doppelganger of herself. Looking at a mirror image of herself. I love the imagery they start off here. Where Korra's in that state, looking at this mirror version of herself. And this spiritual doppelganger morphs into Kavira. And then Korra and Kuvira, like, kind of come out of that state and just lower towards the ground. Like, that imagery conveys so much. And what makes Kuvira such a fascinating villain and what they deal with so perfectly in this scene. What makes Kuvira so fascinating is she's like this coin flip of Korra. She very much has... The drive of Korra, the determination of Korra, the fierceness of Korra. But she just uses those traits for not-so-great reasons. Uses it for uh, not-so-great purposes. Uses it through not-so-great means. And Korra and Kuvira have this whole conversation where Korra's finding ways to relate to Kuvira, finding ways to see herself in Kuvira. Uh, She talks about how fierce and determined they are, how driven they are to succeed, and how much they're able to give, how determined they are to achieve their goals, while also... Not quite thinking things through. She mentions the story of Kuvira being orphaned that Su Yin told her. 
and she understands. Like, there's almost this, like, level of respect, this level of reverence, this level of understanding. Where Korra relates to Kuvira's vulnerability. Relates to Kuvira's pain and how she wanted to genuinely wanted to stabilize her nation. Like, Kuvira's goals were never were never bad. Kuvira's goals were always altruistic. She just went through them in a horrifying way. She went through them in the worst way, the most compromising way possible. And Korra relates this vulnerability of being orphaned, uh, this vulnerability of watching her nation disintegrate at the hands of Zaheer. She relates that to her poisoning. And how scared she was for those three years. How desperate she was to feel in control. In this season, Korra and Kuvira are essentially the same at their cores. Korra's arc this season was feeling scared, feeling terrified, feeling vulnerable, and wanting to repair that. That's Kuvira's state of mind as well. And this scene lays out that parallel in such a magnificent way. This scene lays out that parallel in such a beautiful, magnificent, all-encompassing way. And because Korra is able to identify this, because Korra is able to see these similarities, you see how much she has grown over the course of this series. Like, season one Korra would never have found these reasons to relate to her. But she has grown as a person. She has grown as an avatar to this point where she is wise enough to see that she and Kuvira are, fundamentally speaking, the same. It's just Kuvira and Korra's methods are two entirely different things. Uh, So Korra and Kuvira exit the spirit world. Kuvira calls off her her forces... Uh, accepts whatever punishment the world sees fit. And now we're in resolution territory, and we get all these little endings things. Uh, We see Varric and Julie getting married in a beautiful and kind of hilarious ceremony. Uh, It's really magnificent, and I love that Bolin's officiating and just giving this speech about how uh, Varric and Julie prove that... The longest of long shots, even the longest of long shots, can work. Like, talking about how powerful love is. And it's really, really stunning. Uh, The vows to one another is so great. (laughs) It is so magnificent. Like, it's just, it's beautiful to see... These two characters, uh, these two comedic relief side characters having this amazing final moment together, this amazing final character moment together, uh, it's fantastic. It really, really is. Uh, You get this conversation with Prince Wu, where he reveals that he's going to step down from the throne and remove it altogether, where he honestly believes that the best way 
for the Earth Kingdom to move forward. Uh, the best way for the Earth Kingdom to move into the next age is to abolish the monarchy and allow all the states to operate independently with their own elected officials, much like uh, much like the, the United Republic does. Honestly, it's like this acknowledgement that, like, yeah, Kuvira's dictator methods, not good, but the monarchy's not much better. We've seen a tyrannical queen. We've seen an idiot prince. Hell, we saw an idiot king in the original series. Let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> like, having free and fair elections throughout the Earth Kingdom with all the various states. That just feels natural in this new age we're heading into. And Prince Wu makes a very mature decision. He's grown to the point where he realizes, yeah, this whole monarchy thing, not great. This whole monarchy thing, kind of what got us into this mess in the first place and is not the most representative of our people. So we now get into an earth democracy, an Earth Republic, almost. I don't know what the name should be. It, it's kind of weird. Whatever. The, whatever you feel fit to do. <laughs> whatever you feel fit to do. That is name. My brain has destroyed itself. The point is, Prince Wu is making a very mature decision. Uh, Korra and Mako have a conversation. That is very nice of Mako... Be like, I'll always have your back, Korra. Uh, Korra and Tenzin have a conversation uh, where Korra just basically exhibits, like, just how much she's grown. And she comments on how she needed to undergo that poisoning in order to gain more compassion, more empathy for people. For people like Kuvira, especially. And it shows how much she's grown. Tenzin remarks on how... How she has changed the world so much in just a few years. More so than most avatars do in their whole lifetimes. Like, Korra... Korra really is, in the confines of this world, one of the most influential avatars, maybe ever. It's insane how how much she changed the world in her time in this show. And she comments on how much there is left to do. Like, she is full of hope again. She has become not necessarily her old self, but something even better. Something even more fitting of her Avatar duties. And then we get this lovely, lovely ending with Korra and Asami. Korra and Asami have this heart-to-heart. They talk about uh, the sacrifice of Hiroshi. Uh, they talk about how long Korra was away and how she should have come back sooner. According to Korra. And then they make plans to go on a vacation together into the spirit world. And so they go. They go on this impromptu vacation, just the two of them, into the spirit world. They go to the portal. They hold hands as they go into the portal. 
And as they're going in, sort of gaze into each other's eyes, go through said portal, the end of show. And in case this was too ambiguous for you, in case you didn't realize what the implication of this scene is, in case it just went so ridiculously over your head, it is canon. Korra and Asami, like, this is the beginning of an actual, like, romantic relationship. In the final moments of the series, they have our two main female characters entering into the infancy of a lesbian relationship. Which I remember when that happened. I remember when that was revealed. People freaked out like it was such this outpouring of celebration like so many people were so happy that this was a thing uh that we reveal our two female characters to both be bisexual and to be entering into this uh same sex relationship uh that level of representation caused for so much joy uh, in the LGBT community and in the internet at large. Uh, it's an amazing example of how how powerful even the tiniest amount of representation of any minority, especially the LGBT community, in media such as this. It's amazing how much of a positive impact that can have. It's this amazing example of how positive that can be. And the best thing about it, like, I've seen certain shows try to do this type of representation and half-ass it and make it feel like they just did it to do it. But this is not that. This is not that at all. When you think of everything Korra and Asami went through together in this show. And when you see, when you think about how close they got, more and more and more so, over the course of the series. When you examine all these tiny little character moments they had together, especially in this last season. Remember all the times I went, hmm, over the course of this season, when they were very, in hindsight, very overtly hinting towards this could be a thing. Like, when you think about all of that in context, like, it makes all the sense in the world. It's not just writers really wanted to get the brownie points of representation, so they just put together two mismatched same-sex people and had gay relationship. Yay, you love us, right? Like, these are two people who have chemistry, who have clearly an admiration for each other, and who you can definitely see the foundations of a really beautiful relationship. And... Apparently, I have not read the Legend of Korra comics, because I'm waiting for that first uh, Library Edition hardcover, 
that first Legend of Korra comic trilogy to be collected into one deal. And that apparently is not coming until March, unfortunately. Uh, but the Legend of Korra comic, Turf Wars, uh, deals with this relationship more and more and more and how it evolves. And from what I hear, it's very good. Uh, from what I hear, it does that in an exquisite way. Uh, but I've always respected that ending. I've always respected uh, the writers of this show for going there in a Nickelodeon animated kids quote-unquote series because it is very much overdue. In fact, um, I have a theory that they really wanted to do something along these lines in the original series with Azula and Ty Lee. But because it was like 2008 <laughs> when the show ended, because it was like 2005 to 2008, it was just a hard no. But then 2014 comes around. Uh, we've grown more as a society. Uh, we've grown more in our representation in media. And this was allowed. Granted, it's the most subtle of nods. But it's still significant nonetheless, uh, especially when you examine the reaction, the outpouring of joy that came from that. I'm spending way too much time on this, but that's really just because, like, this was, this was a very bold ending at the time. Like, nowadays it seems so trivial. Just five years later it seems so trivial. Four and a half, really. Nowadays it seems so trivial, but back in 2014 this was huge. Back in 2014, this was a big deal. And I've always had tremendous amount of respect for the writers for allowing themselves to go there. And a tremendous amount of respect for Nickelodeon for allowing them to do that. This was a magnificent finale. It, it was so perfect in so many ways. Uh, this whole final season is great. Uh, I think I still love season three a, the tiniest bit more because... It just took more risks, but season four is also like 10 out of 10 A-plus material. It's amazing. And uh, that ends our talk of Legend of Korra. That ends our discussion of Legend of Korra and of uh, the Avatar universe in general. Like I said many, many times before, Legend of Korra, it is not a perfect show. It is not overall on the level of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, it definitely has certain arcs that are better than others, certain seasons that are better than others. It is not nearly as consistent as its predecessor, but at its absolute best, it is extraordinary. At its absolute best, it is amazing. Uh, with the heights of season one, uh, the beginnings arc in seasons two, uh, in season two, in seasons three and four, like, when this show is great, it is amazing. When this show is at its best, it is every bit as good as Avatar The Last Airbender. And I freaking adore so much about it. I love that it exists, and I love the heights that it got up to. Now, after so long of talking about this world, we are putting it to a close. There's no more to talk about here. Uh, but honestly, like, if you... If you want more Avatar, if you want more from this world, there's a lot for you to examine outside of 
the television space. There's a lot for you to dive into. They are constantly adding to this world outside of the core shows. Uh, they're constantly putting out comics, uh, both in the Avatar Last Airbender segment of this world and in the Legend of Korra segment of this world. Uh, they are constantly putting out new graphic novel trilogies in those realms. Uh, they're currently in development on a couple of novels centering around Avatar Kyoshi, which I'm really excited to see. Uh, they're making a live-action Remake of Avatar The Last Airbender over at Netflix, which probably won't be great, but it's happening. It exists. Fine, whatever. I'll watch it. Like, they are constantly, constantly, constantly making new Avatar stuff. They are constantly adding to this mythology. Constantly adding to this world. So, uh, if you haven't read those comics, I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, definitely look forward to the those Kyoshi novels when they happen. Uh, follow the development of that live-action series because there is a lot to dive into outside of these two shows. God, this was fun to talk about. I loved diving into these two shows because the Avatar world, it is such an informative part of my childhood. It is such, like, it has defined so much of what I love in fantasy entertainment, in animated entertainment. Like, Avatar The Last Airbender, as I've said many times, is one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, the Legend of Korra, I adore as well. Like, it's just such an amazing world that... They did such a phenomenal job bringing to life, and I love everything about it so much. I really do hope they return to this in animated form. Uh, maybe do another... Uh, series at some point, maybe doing uh, the next Avatar after Korra, maybe doing um, an Avatar before Aang, or before Roku, before Kyoshi. I'd watch the shit out of that. I'm just really looking forward to... Like, I just really want to see them do another Avatar series. Uh, but for now, we got these two, and they're pretty great. They're pretty awesome. Uh, so, season two of the Television Archive has come to a close. Uh, season three will be starting off later this month, uh, on January 21st, to be precise. But, until then, uh, I'm going to be releasing the season three poll tomorrow. I'll be putting something in the feed, uh, talking about that on that day. You can vote on that when that's live. And then I'll be back with whatever you guys demand I watch. Uh, so look forward to that tomorrow. Uh, till then, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just to push up a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate 
everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, as I said, I will be back January 21st with another series. Uh, a poll will go up tomorrow, and I will return to the feed, breaking that down then. Uh, so yeah, talk to you when that occurs. <laughs>